Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, ATD Painting, and Performance Food Group. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, senior care at its best with a family atmosphere. They specialize in making their facilities as close to a home living experience as possible. Not only that, there are no movement fees and there are no visitation restrictions. They are located near I-635 in Marsh Lane in Dallas, right near Carrollton. For more information, you can call 469-400-7650. That is Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. And now, let's podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor at Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Brian Murphy and Devin Hassan. On today's podcast, we're going to preview the second round of the high school football playoffs, talk about some of the big matchups within our neck of the woods, um, including a potential second round scare for Allen. Maybe? <laughs> Dare we say it. A, uh, some big matchups out in Frisco ISD, um, but obviously we're going to start with our game of the week as voted on by you, the readers, and I guess I just gave it away that it wasn't either Allen Rockwall or matchup involving Frisco ISD, although we did have one game involving a Frisco school that initially set the pace in the uh, in the game yeah. of the week. Oh, it looked like Frisco Lone Star and Lufkin was going to make an early surge. And enter Mustang Nation. And then Saxy woke up. <laughs> I, Lone Star's pretty good on Twitter, so I thought they... Mm. They were, you know, had a stranglehold on things, and we saw that yesterday we were talking about it. I was like, all right, well, getting ready for to talk Lone Star Lufkin most of the podcast. And then, like you said, Saxies—they always win. <laughs> All it takes is for the Mustang Nation Twitter feed to get a hold of the uh, of the game of the week. Poll. What's it called? Mustang Gang or Mustang Mustang Gang? Mustang, Mustang, Mustang Nation, yeah. Okay. Between them and Let Nation, it's, yep. that's the, oh, the, the internet poll king. <laughs> <laughs> and they will put a game of the week poll in a chokehold pretty, <laughs> yes. pretty, uh, pretty smith, pretty swiftly. Um, and yes, and nevertheless, Saxie versus Waco Midway is uh, is your game of the week. This one goes down seven o'clock Friday. I at Vernon Newsom Stadium, out in Mansfield, Saxy eight and three versus Midway nine and one. Uh, Saxy looking to build off of a, uh, a very redemptive performance against Plano East last week, a thirty-five to twenty-five victory, avenging a non-district loss to the Panthers. And as I mentioned on Monday's podcast, I think um, you know really kind of the first true signs of um, of just this this turnaround that Saxy has enjoyed over the second half of the regular season. Obviously, we've talked at length about the O and Restart and just the struggles there, just the inconsist- the inconsistencies at quarterback. So um, and yeah, to to be able to pick up a win of that significance, you know, not just over a program that you know with the kind of pedigree that Plano East traditionally has, but against a team that you know took it to you pretty well, you know, earlier on in the season. Really, I think that kind of because kind of coming full circle and showing Saxy just how far that they've come. 
Yeah, I certainly think so. And we, we alluded to this a little bit on the podcast on Monday. Uh, the move of, from Der- of Derek Rose from wide receiver to quarterback mm-hmm. um, and the stability he's provided just allows them to stick with their game plan. You yeah. know, they come in with a, with a plan of attack, and whereas they might they might have panicked a little bit with some inexperience, with some youth there early in the season, mm-hmm. they're able to stick with it. And even in a game that was 7-7, even in a game that they trailed 13-7 in the second half, they were able to, to stick to their guns and it paid dividends for them as the game progressed. So, um, yeah, with with Saxy and what they were able to do against Plano East, I mean, it was my first look at uh, at you know Saxy since I mean since that game against mm-hmm. East, yeah. and I caught the very the very tail end of I guess the last game that they've lost now is they've they've won now uh, now eight straight. And what what stuck out to me is that it's a very um, you know they don't ask Rose to do a ton as far as you know th- as far as moving the ball through the air. It was a very um, you know very efficient passing attack. It was one where a lot of stuff predicated off of the uh, the play action mm-hmm. rolling out Rose and just you know hitting guys on the near the uh, you know near the sidelines and it helped you know convert a lot of third downs early in that game. That was one thing that really impressed me about Saxy was the job that they did executing on third down, um, converting a lot of you know third and long situations that perhaps earlier in the season that might have been a bit uh, you know a bit yeah. tougher to come by. And then um, as the game wore on, you really got to see uh, you know Rose's mobility into the equation and the job that he and uh, I mean their stable of running backs. It's just like I mean which it's kind of just pick your poison as far as which one's going to be the one that kind of carries the. Uh, you know, kind of uh, you know paves the way as the game goes on, and it was you know Derek Rose and Tory Washington helped salt that game away, and uh, and also I mean Saxy's defense has just been so consistent all game long, and they were once again just in a in rare form uh, taming what has been a very very explosive Plano East offense. And, and that that's their identity on offense that they established during the course of the season. Um, you know, you missed Tory Washington kind of took over the lead role in terms of tailbacks last week, but Miles Nash has been that had yeah. filled that spot before. KJ Williams, you know, as a team they're averaging six. Point four yards per carry. So they set the, the they set the tone on the ground. And you mentioned Derrick Rose picking his spots for the air. Uh, they, he averages twenty point two yards per completion. So when they do go to the air, Trent Dean and Cameron Cromer and Miles Nash and Chase Cromer, these guys are making big plays on the outside. And you know Derrick Rose has nice touch in a deep ball, but a lot of those big plays too are getting those guys out in space and letting them do you know you know show off their playmaking playmaking abilities. And yeah, the defense I, I thought was really impressive. You know we kind of wondered how they would. Uh, Kind of fill that that void left by uh, Hunter Spears, oh, yeah. uh, their outstanding defensive lineman, and uh, Anthony Enianu. Is that how you say <laughs> Enianu? Is uh, how I yes. believe I, uh, I tried to pronounce it on Monday. Yes, who you told me that uh, Coach Barons was talking about how he found him in PE class. Oh, yeah. Okay, I've, he- I've heard about this, so I have some Saxy <laughs> sources. I'm a Saxy okay. alum. Mm-hmm. I know some people on that coaching staff. I heard about this kid. I didn't know his name. He was discovered in PE class. Coach Barons may have told you the same story, but this is so funny because I literally just heard this, you know, two three days ago. Uh, he went up to dunk a basketball and he dunked it. And then uh, an assistant coach, I don't know who it was, when it saw him and saw his physicality and his you know length and everything, and saw him, he said, "Hey, a real man dunks it just standing straight up and, and dunks it with two hands." And he did it. He tried it again and did it. And next thing you know, <laughs> they have him on the team. And that's that's really funny that y'all bring him up. Yeah, and, and he had – this was just his fourth game on varsity. And he responds in the playoffs with eight tackles and three sacks. Wow. So, you know, that's uh, – yeah. talk about breaking onto the scene, you know, in style. 
You wonder what would have happened if he didn't dunk that basketball yeah. off of two feet, if that was the, kind <laughs> yeah. of the deal breaker. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> like, you didn't see this guy in the hallway? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Coaches apparently just need to scour the PE the, yeah. the ranks a bit more to... Like, how did he never play sports before, like, yeah. at all? Well, it's it's crazy. Those are always the most, like, impressive yeah. stories. Just the kids, sure. just, you find out out of nowhere that you're they're basically having to learn on the fly. Mm-hmm. And then they, I mean, yeah, in instance like that, a playoff game, you know, you're having to, you know, fill a void left by a, by a Notre Dame commit. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, he's able to go through and, uh, and because Plano's offensive line is no joke. And, I mean, yeah, he's able to get three sacks. And three sacks! <laughs> I wonder how many players, period, have got three sacks this season for Saxe in a single game. Yeah. Um, yeah, impressive stuff from uh, from Saxe as they uh, as they continue to uh, to look the part. I wonder how uh, you know when all said and done, how we'll look back on this team relative to what they had last year, when you know a bit more you know high profile in terms of the uh, the Division One talent, but a program that's at the very least one win away from from matching the success that they had last year. It's 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 a it's a different it's a different storyline in the sense that that team last year came in. Loaded with expectations. Yeah. I mean, they had, you know, I think 16 returning starters, and they were high-profile Division One recruits all over the field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, they were more of the high-octane, hey, we're going to score in four plays or less, you know, di- you know, come and stop us. And that did allow them to, st- to establish school history and making it to the regional semifinals. Whereas this team, again, has plenty of star power of its own, but not that same identity that they had to mm-hmm. cultivate over the, the, you know, the first half of the season. So I'm not going to say it's, more, it's a more rewarding journey for the coaching staff because um, every season is different every group of kids is special in their eyes mm-hmm. but you know I think just looking at it from from an outsider's uh, point of view uh, this has been a little bit more impressive because I think this is a group that's kind of had to uh, come together more as a team um, you know as the season progressed they had to overcome some adversity with that 0-3 start they've had to overcome some adversity with injuries and so you know it's, it's, it's turning into to what could be a really special group what do you think the mood of the team is now versus last year going into that second round game because they had never been past the second round uh, going into that game against Rockwall, they barely beat them at Allen Eagle Stadium, and then they go into the third round and lose to, to Pflugerville, Hendrickson, or, or whatever. What's that like going into this game? Are they expecting you know to to break that record, that playoff record, and go to the fourth round, or are they just kind of happy where they're at right now based off of how they started the season? I, I think they're taking it, you know, the cliche, taking it a game at a time, whereas I think last year's group was already eyeing that the third state round or, the, or even you know, further halfway, yeah. through, halfway through the regular season. Yeah. Um, but I think this group is, is also supremely confident. I think that they've just they've, they've grown so much in the last two months, and uh, last Friday's win over Plano East, you know, only built on that. There's a uh, obviously another side to this matchup, though, so let's um, at least throw some love to uh, to Waco Midway, a team that obviously is not in our neck of the woods, well south out in uh, out in the Waco area, obviously, um, a program that is you know much like last week we were talking about an East Dallas County school going up against a team that was playing for a state championship. Uh, Midway fell off a one win short. They advanced to the 6A Division II state title game last year. Um, you know, different team this season. Obviously, the the big one being the graduation of their quarterback Tanner Mordecai, who was arguably the best quarterback in the entire state last season, um, you know, but you know, looking at this uh, this Midway team and how, I mean, they started off the year on the rockiest of notes. They oh, got, got hammered by <laughs> by Euless Trinity, 37-7 in the first game of the season. Had a real tough time struggling with turnovers. I want to say they committed five in that game alone. Um, and then, you know, the following week, they were able to get a win, um, albeit, you know, not the most convincing one, just 13-10 to 10 over what wound up being a five-win Colleen team. But, I mean, Midway is, has readied the ship, and they're, and they're rolling pretty good now. They're, you know, that loss to Trinity is their only one on the season, so they've won nine straight. They've won those nine games by an average of almost 29 points. Um, you know, Devin, they just uh, they paid a visit to uh, 
to Mesquite and um, really squared off against Mesquite last week in the first round. And um, you know, we're able to dealt the uh, Skeeters. What was it? A uh, 48-13. Yeah, it was. Um, it was t- a tough. Tough matchup for Mesquite. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were hanging tough early. It was a thirteen to six game in, in the first yeah. quarter, uh, in the first half, I should say. And then um, midway hits them with a, a late touch or touchdown midway through the second quarter, mm-hmm. and then a pick six um, by Trevius Hodges. And that you know all of a sudden it's a twenty seven yeah. six game at halftime, and it kind of got away. But you know midway is they've got a much different identity. We talked about Saxby's identity being different. Uh, you mentioned uh, you know with Trevor Morkai graduating. Well, this team James Fulbright was a great running back last oh, yeah. season. He rushed for still eighteen hundred yeah. yards. Yeah. Well, he's already he, he you know. Went for 2-11 in the regular season finale against Belton. He goes for 153 last week against Mesquite. So he's closing in right there on 2,000 yards for the mm-hmm. season. Uh, you know That's going to be a, a tough matchup for the taxi front. Uh, Nick Jimenez doesn't put up huge numbers all the time. He did have 256 yards and four touchdowns in the first half against Belton. Yeah. So he is capable, and they do have some capable receivers in Deontay Thomas and Will Nixon. Um, but the, the, the matchup that really interests me is is we've talked about that Saxy front and yeah. how deep and how talented it is and mm-hmm. how how you know instrumental they were against Plano East. Uh, them and their chores of slowing down James Fulbright, I think, is probably going to be the biggest storyline of this game. So um, you know, Midway, a program that perennially prides itself on being strong in the trenches, and that certainly does appear to be the case. You know, you mentioned what the offense can do. Um, defensively, some guys to watch out for. Linebacker Marcus Johnson has 128 tackles on the season, averaging almost 13 a game, and he was. Bad up last week, mm-hmm. so he didn't play mm-hmm. full time. But they, I'm um, reports I heard he's supposed to be pretty much back to full strength, is what I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Braden Ensley, a standout pass rusher for them, he's got four sacks on the season. You mentioned Travius Hodges is one of the names to watch in the secondary. Parker Nall has three interceptions for them. Xavier Abalos, there's no way I pronounced that name, that last <laughs> name correctly. He has a couple picks and six pass deflections, so there is plenty of talent all overall, and it has kind of you know bore itself out with the way that Midway has a has righted the ship, looking like just just a normal just. Your normal awesome midway team. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a very intriguing uh, you know area round matchup, mm-hmm. second round matchup yeah. because you got one team that's won nine in a row, one team that's won eight in a row. They both seem to be peaking at the mm-hmm. right time. So Friday should be a lot of fun. Obviously, though, we can't go without mentioning that Sex is going to be a little bit shorthanded in the first half of this game because obviously, as thrilling as the uh, as that thirty five twenty five win over Plano East was last week, it did not come without but it, you know a few casualties because for those who have not heard, um, and how could anybody have not heard by this <laughs> point? But there was a fight late in that game that resulted in. Eight ejections, including three uh, three players on Saxy. And per UIL rules, those three players will be forced to miss the first half of uh, of this game against Midway. And some notable losses, no doubt. So, um, how do you kind of see this? Uh, you know, these absences, at least for a half. Just how does that kind of, you know, Im- just impact things just overall for Saxy? I mean, it's, it's certainly a blow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially when you have when you have you know a couple senior leaders mixed in with that group. Uh, but that's what you spend all season building depth for. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to happen from yeah. week to week. A lot of times you're building depth for it, for it from an injury perspective. If one of your guys go down, you, you know you need mm-hmm. others to step up. In this case, unfortunately, it's a, it's a suspension. Um, I guess if you want to look at it as a positive, they do. It is a one half suspension, so they are eligible to come back in mm-hmm. the second half. But in the meantime, you know, getting off to a fast start is important to yeah. this midway team. And so you're going to have just like we talked about in the defensive line last week with other guys stepping up. You're going to have to have some of that. You're going to have to have guys like Jordan Brooks and James White. Who have been consistent mm-hmm. all season long, but maybe have, they have to take on more more of a leadership role at least in that first half. Um, but you know, Saxby has been able to find people to do that all season long, whether it be in the secondary, whatever unit mm-hmm. it's been. So we'll see if we can make it continue to do that and um, and hope for, in, in, from their sake, hopefully it doesn't have mm-hmm. it doesn't impact the game because you would hate to see a, a game of this magnitude, you know, be decided because we had a couple guys out in the first half. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't I don't think that'll be the case. But uh, it's just up to Saxy to overcome that hurdle. 
Who are we picking for this one, gentlemen? I'm going with my alma mater. I can't pick against Saxy. <laughs> Have you picked against Saxy yet this year? No, of course not. I refuse to. <laughs> Unless they're playing maybe Allen. We'll see. <laughs> well, you have picked against Allen already this season. <laughs> yes, by accident. <laughs> that was an accident. Uh, Devin, how about you? I, I, I have Saxy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this was a, this is a tough choice because you know we don't get to see Waco Midway on mm-hmm. a consistent basis. Obviously, I had done some prep work for them last week, going up against Mesquite, and they obviously were impressive. Just you know, mm-hmm. following along with what they were able to do. But I, I still have Saxy. I just think the Saxy team is, is rounding in the form at just the right time. I think they'll be able to overcome the adversity of, of, of missing a few of those guys mm-hmm. in the first half. And it's going to be close. I think it's going to come down to the wire. Uh, but you know, I think I take Saxy moving on and, and matching the longest uh, journey. Into in the playoffs and in school history, I'd be curious how many times during these past uh, these past eight wins has Saxy ever had to play from a potential double digit deficit? Were they ever down double digits against Wiley? Wiley, Wiley. That, but that, that was the first game in that streak, mm-hmm. and, and you could really kind of say that second half is where they turned a the corner yeah. because they were one half away from going on four, and uh, you know <sighs> took off, came rallied uh, against what was then a winless mm-hmm. Wiley team, but now a Wiley team that's two rounds deep in the playoffs it turned out to be a very good win. Uh, after that, you know, outside of that, no, they, I would have to go back and check. I'm 95% sure they never trailed uh, up until last week against Plano East. Um, I'm going with uh, with uh, with Midway in this one, and it's just basically boiled down to I I don't know. I tend to always defer to the team that I feel like is better fortified up front. In uh, in a lot of these matchups, where a lot of things might be fairly even on paper, that's kind of a tiebreaker for me. I feel like Midway might have the might have the advantage up there, and I do think that there is going to be some side effect to those Saxy players having to set out the first half, especially in the middle of the defense and whatnot. So um, yeah, I uh, I decided to go with uh, with Midway. This one. plus just being kind of the more just proven program, the more battle tested and playoff, you know, playoff, whatever cliche you want to apply to yeah. it, but yes, I mean, you know, Midway certainly is very well accustomed to this this phase of the game, whereas Saxy's still, you know, still trying to, you know, kind of realize what it means to consistently win deep in the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah, I just defer to, uh, defer, uh, defer to Midway on this one, and um, actually, yeah, Four to two in favor of Midway. So, ironically enough, yeah, I get the I get the two sexy picks on the uh, on the roundtable for this one. So, yes, myself, Justin Thomas, Kendrick Johnson, Taylor Raglan, siding with Waco Midway in this matchup. Brian, Devin, going with Saxy. So, um, yeah, that is a look at um, at least our reader-voted game of the week, Saxy versus Waco Midway. Once again, that one is Friday, 7 o'clock, out in Mansfield at Vernon Newsom Stadium. Obviously, though, we've still got to shine that student-athlete spotlight out on Saxy, as we've just been talking about. One of the key pieces in their turnaround was obviously the, uh, the play of quarterback, uh, Derek Rose, and we had a chance to talk with Derek on uh, kind of making the move from receiver to quarterback and just Saxy's mindset heading into uh, the biggest game of the season on Friday. And we will see what Derek had to say after a word from this sponsor. Let's take a quick break to talk about ATD painting. Whether it's painting, staining, carpentry, residential, commercial, interior, exterior, ATD painting has you covered. They have four locations in the Metroplex, including Plano and Louisville. You can call 972-694-8888 for more information, or you can visit their website at atdpainting.com. That is ATD painting. Check it out to see just how affordable professional painting can be. And now, let's get back to the podcast. 
Yeah, this is Devin Hassan with the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. We are out here at Sexy High School discussing our game of the week as voted on you by the readers. Uh, that is Sexy versus Waco Midway, 7 p.m. Friday at Mansfield's Vernon Newsom Stadium. I'm joined by Sexy quarterback Derek Rose. Derek, appreciate you taking a couple minutes to talk to us uh, this today. No problem. Um, as far as I wanted to touch real briefly on last week, obviously the intensity is always ramped up in the playoffs. You guys in an intense game last week were able to pull out a 35-25 to victory over Plano East. Um, given the fact that they were a team that had beat you earlier in the year. Is there a little something extra gratifying about being able to kind of gain measure of revenge and knock them out of the playoffs? Um, it was just our mentality was way better um, um, this time than it was last time. And we just had, it was playoff time, so we had to come out with a win. So that mattered when to go home. Now, I had talked to, to Bryce Robinson about this a couple of weeks ago. As, as far as being a senior leader, you guys get off to that 0-3 start. I know that's not something that's familiar in these kind of, in, in sexy, uh, in recent history. Uh, as a senior leader, kind of what do you tell your teammates, and how did y'all get back on the right track? Um, I told him it was just preseason. That it, it's on district. It really didn't matter. So we got um, seven, we went 7-0 in district, and playoff time we came harder than ever. Okay, and as far as one of the big reasons for the turnaround was your move to quarterback. Uh, now, you'd had some quarterback experience in the past, right? Yes, sir. In, in past years. Mm-hmm. So kind of take me through that process. Is this something that you've been practicing? Had you been working on it in quarterback in practice? Um, I mean, had, you, had the coaches come to you? Kind of take, uh, take me through how that decision got made to make that move official. Well, before um, last year, my junior year, a coach always told me to be prepared because um, eventually I was always going to come back to quarterback just in case anything happened. And um, I just stayed ready. I was prepared. And good things happened. Okay. Well, and, and, you know, you're being recruited as a wide receiver. I know you got several offers as a wide receiver to play wide receiver at the next level. Were you concerned at all that moving positions, you know, this is kind of your senior showcase season, that moving positions uh, in the middle of the year would hurt your recruitment at all? Um, yes and no. Um, I know I can go to college for um, quarterback too, but um, I really like receiver, and um, I just I just want to see what happens. Like I might have both. I might just stay with receiver. See what happens. Yeah, you get to squat, show off a new skill set then for the for the scouts. Well, and, and that being said, um, I know there's a different mindset when you're going to be handling the ball every snap. You know, you're going to be sometimes handing it off, sometimes running it yourself, sometimes throwing the ball. How have you kind of changed your mindset and how you approach the game being a quarterback? Um, it's kind of it's kind of like being a receiver, like because I understand what my receivers are going through, like how they want the ball, and then same with the running back. So I just I just had the same mindset as all my teammates. So I know. I kind of know what to do. Like, I'm, yeah. you're fluent with it. Okay. And talking to Coach Bears, you know, we, we lose the 0-3 start earlier. He said, yeah, it was tough. We played three tough teams. And our confidence a little bit shaken, but we got it back on track. Now that you guys have won eight in a row, what's the what's the confidence level like with this team right now? Um, we feel like we can go far. Like, and I know we can. We just got to got to keep going. That's all that matters. Had the same mentality. Well, let's talk about the task at hand. Wake up midway. I'm sure you've had a chance to see film on them the last several days. What's kind of your current impressions on on the team you're going to be facing out there on Friday night? Oh, they're they're an excellent team. They um they're very disciplined. What I'm looking at, like they they figure their right holes. They they know where to go. They're just disciplined. That's all I know about them. Discipline. Well, million dollar question. Obviously, y'all want to get out there with the W on Friday. Where are the keys to victory? Um. Playing harder, we um we lost a couple of our um, star players, so we gotta play we gotta play an amazing first half until they come back. But um we should be good as long as we just keep playing hard and say having the same mentality as last game. 
Fantastic. Well, that's about a wrap here at Saxe High School. Derek Rose, thank you for joining us for a few minutes. Talking about our game of the week. Again, Saxe and Waco Midway, 7 o'clock at Mansfield versus Vernon Newsom Stadium, Friday night. Um, that's about it from here. And now back to the podcast. Thanks to Derek Rose of Saxe for taking the time to chat with Devin as part of our Student Athlete Spotlight, uh, previewing our game of the week, Saxe versus Waco Midway, 7 o'clock Friday out in Mansfield. Vernon Newsom Stadium should be a good one. Obviously, we've got four other games on the docket to discuss, so let's quick hit those ones, give some predictions, including the game that I will be at on Friday. Allen versus Rockwall, Friday, 6 o'clock, out at Williams Stadium in Garland. What a uh, what a savvy move to get this game in, uh, <laughs> out in Garland at a stadium that is not exactly Eagle Stadium from a from a capacity standpoint. I'm very anxious to see how the uh, how the Allen crowd handles that. It's going to be standing room only. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Head coach Terry Gamble was very, very emphatic in saying, arrive early, Allen. <laughs> um, this game is fascinating you know, to me for uh, for two reasons. One, I just, I'm always going to be compelled by any matchup that... Uh, any team that's willing to throw on Allen just because of just the nature of the district that Allen is in every year. You just don't see too many pass-heavy offenses outside of Plano East. Um, you know, Rowlett did throw the ball almost 50 times on them, but, you know, Row- you know, Rockwall, a bit of a different animal when it comes to, you know, spreading the ball through the air. Um, you know, if, uh, for all the credit that the Grant Tisdale-Theo East quarterback-receiver connection gets, and rightfully so, it's as good, you know, good as you'll find in the state. Um, very similar praise needs to be heaped on Jacob Clark and Jackson Smith, which is just an absolute nightmare. I mean, De- I mean, Devin, you covered you know Rockwall by you know by proxy of being in eleven six a. I mean, I've never seen Jackson Smith or Jacob Clark in person. Just, I mean, just tell me what I'm in store for on Friday. I, I mean, it's it's you talk about you know one two punches and, and it's, it's the best I've seen in the last two. In fact, I even I guess it was the second game of last season when Jackson Smith was just a sophomore, so mm-hmm. it was just the second game on varsity. And I, I was already saying he's one of the five best players I'll see all year. I mean, he is that kind of talent. You know, Jacob Clark is throwing for 2,848 yards, 29 touchdowns, only six interceptions. And Jackson Smith, you look at 164 completions, half of those, 82 are to Jackson Smith. And he goes for over 1,500 yards, 17 touchdowns. He, he's, he's a force to be reckoned with in the run game. They'll run him on an end around. They'll, they'll run him on those screens. He leads the team with three interceptions. They will put him in on passing down when other team is, is, is passing the ball. He's just such a tremendous athlete. And he's going to be one of those guys that I don't think Allen can guard. I, I think Rockwell's going to score points mm-hmm. in this game. I don't know if it's going to be enough points, though, because slowing down Allen is a whole different matter. Yeah. Jackson Smith accounts for 55% of their receiving yardage. As you mentioned, 50% of the receptions and 59% of their receiving touch. He has 17 receiving touchdowns. See, that concerns me if you're a Rockwall fan because you can really hone in on on a guy that – you know, accounts for so much of the offense, mm-hmm. kind of maybe contain him, maybe not shut him down completely, but contain him. Who else is going to step up for Rockwall? Mm-hmm. And then when you're such a good team like Allen, doesn't bode well for the, the Yellow Jackets. They said Belton triple teamed him at times last week. And Sometimes it just and, doesn't and, matter. And, and he had seven carries for 180 yeah. But yards. Belton's not Allen, though. I understand that, yeah. but there, there are players that are just so talented that they're going to make a difference no matter what. And I think Rockwell, Rodney Webb is one of the most innovative offensive minds in, in high school football, mm-hmm. Texas high school football, and pretty much any coach will tell you that. Yeah, a lot of coaches he's, have told me that. He, yeah. He's going to find a way to get Jackson Smith the ball. 
Um, another reason why I'm fascinated for this matchup is because it's in the second round, and the second round in yes. Allen has been a uh, it's been a bit of a checkered history, not in terms of wins and losses, um, you know, but as far as um, so I went through and I actually did this you know this this study uh, a ways back, just basically going round by round of the playoffs, Allen's average margin of victory since this golden age of Allen High School football began, which I'm you know the, basically the the day that Kyler Murray was named the starting quarterback. So going back to the 2012 season when the first of the three state championship years happened. Um, so if you're just going to go round by round and just guess Allen's average margin of victory, what would you say has been the easiest round for them in terms of margin of victory? First round. Yeah, first round. Exactly. Average, average margin of victory since 2012 in the first round, 36 and a half points. Guess what the toughest has been? Well, I'm assuming the second round. <laughs> <laughs> second round, Allen's average margin of victory since 2012 has been just 14 points. 14 points, and that yeah. number is actually inflated because of a 35-point one that they had over Mesquite Horn in 2013. I mean, mixed in there, you've got, obviously, people remember all too well the games against DeSoto that went right down to the wire, 25-22 on the walk-off field goal back in uh, 2014, and then that crazy one, 42-41, uh, both at AT&T Stadium against the DeSoto team that was like 5-5 five and five after the regular season. Um, you know, they had games against, you know, Belton 24-7, a good, not great performance by Allen. Um, you know, Mesquite back in 2012 went blow for blow with Allen for about two and a half, three quarters until Allen pulled away late. And then obviously last year against South Grand Prairie, a game that was 14-14 to heading into the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean... Obviously, being you know the way that the brackets are laid out and playing you know that uh, that district that has the DeSotos and the South Grand Prairies, that's always been one of the stronger districts in the uh, in the state. So it's, the second round stands to be a bit of a, a bit of a stumbling block for Allen in terms of finally getting pushed back. So um, I'm anxious to see if that uh, if that form uh, if that trend holds. Now, obviously, the one thing in this is Allen has won all of these games, <laughs> albeit with you know not the ease that they do in other rounds. Yeah, ironically enough, like Allen's average margin of victory in state championship games, 20 and a half, is more than their margin of victory in the second round since 2012. Very weird how that works, but uh, yes, nevertheless, the second round has been, uh, historically, you know, might indicate that we might get a closer than expected game on uh, on Friday. Ultimately, though, I'm obviously still going to go with Allen in this one. And uh, I, I'm, I'm saying that this, now, watch, Allen will probably come out with a, a defensive chip, or the chip, you know, a chip on the shoulder defensively mm-hmm. and, and hold Rockwell to 10 points or something, but mm-hmm. I predict that this game has... Uh, over 100 points combined oh, scored. Wow. I, I could easily see something like a 65 to 41. Where Al, I mean, where Allen wins somewhat comfortably at the end, but they give it their share of points. But I just, I think Rockwell's going to score. I don't think they can stop Allen though at all. Mm-hmm. So you're saying this is going to be like Monday Night Football, Chiefs, Rams, all exactly. over again, but high school exactly. version. Exactly, exactly. Like. <laughs> Maybe not as close, though. <laughs> the, uh, the picket line was unanimous in this one. Allen gets a 6-0 nod over Rockwall uh, Friday, 7 o'clock, out in Garland at Williams Stadium. Let's move on to, uh, let's see, Mesquite Horn, the best four-win team in the state. Horn looking to keep its uh, its late-season surge afloat. They uh, Actually, they get to host this one. They square up with Wiley. Friday, 4 o'clock, out of Mesquite Memorial Stadium. Uh, Devin, do the, uh, can the Jaguars... Keep it keep it going one more round. I, I think they can. Yeah. Uh, um, this is a team that that is has been peaking at the right time, uh, and I think last week uh, in their thrilling forty five to thirty eight win over Temple was their best game of date. Mm. Uh, you know, we talked about Jermaine Givens kind of coming around. Uh, you know, with his, you know, he's, he's always been able to run the ball, and he's he's led the, he led the district in rushing last week. Though he throws for two hundred eighty eight yards and three touchdowns. That was a Jermaine Givens like game because he also rushed for two twenty. 
uh, over 500 yards of total offense. This is what he did last year when he won the district MVP. He just didn't have the personnel around, and they didn't have that rhythm uh, through the early stage of the season. And their opponents had a lot to do with this mm-hmm. as well. But they had not kind of shown that balance that, that made them so dangerous last year. They hadn't had anybody kind of really step up in the receiving game. Uh, Nikowski Emery caught the game when he touched down pass, 37 yards with 11 mm-hmm. seconds less, left last week. He's been their most consistent receiver, but he's also had to fill in the backfield because there's been other injuries. Well, Asias Taylor's been back and healthy. He scored a couple touchdowns last week. And again, on, on top of Gibbons being 20 to uh, 26, Reagan Nickerson steps up with six catches. Jalen Tennyson, um, Cameron Jackson had a touchdown catch. These guys who who had not really made much of an impact on the offense this year, uh, you know, rose to the occasion last week, and that's a it's a hugely encouraging mm-hmm. sign for Horn uh, going against a, a Wiley that team that uh, you know kind of. Followed a similar path. It wasn't mm-hmm. 0-7, but they were 0-4 at one point in time yeah. this season. They win six of their next seven games with the only loss being in overtime to name it Forest in a game they probably should have won. And they feature one of the uh, the one of the more dynamic dual threat quarterbacks yep. in the area in Rashad Dixon, who, you know, I saw them when they played Saxy. I mean he Saxy, as good and as athletic and as fast as that Saxy defense is, he gave them fits. You know, he's thrown for 1,600 yards and 16 touchdowns, so he's not just a one-trick pony, but it's really on the ground. You know, he's rushed for 947 yards and 16 touchdowns. You know, last week he was 151 and three. It's just when he chooses, when he picks and chooses his time to run. It, it's I, I would be interested to see how many third third down conversions he has with his legs because he just kind of has this instinctiveness of when to take off, when to stay back and pass. You know, again, they're, they're, he's they're, he's not a one man show. Diamond Ali uh, is, is a Washington State pledge uh, who leads the team in receiving. Uh, last week, uh, Caleb McCray and Malik Ford had nice games. So Wiley's a dangerous team. You know, you look at their record six and five. Well, against most teams, they're you know, six and five against ten and one against four and seven horn. It's not that big of a deal, but I think these are two teams that 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 have saved their best. I mean, Bill Howard, the coach at Wiley, he always gets this side of his team, and, and Horn under Mike Overton's done the same thing. There's been a lot of Horn teams over the years that have been five and five, six and four, kind of limped into the playoffs, and then and then rose, you know, the level of their play. And I think you have two teams that are doing that now. So that one should be should be competitive, should be high scoring. Um, like you, Devin, the rest of the picket line was unanimous on this one. A 6-0 sweep for Mesquite Horn is the uh, is the prediction for them to advance to of course, the. We also picked 6-0 against Wiley last week. Yeah, <laughs> well, Wiley might just be. Uh, <laughs> Wiley's not. Uh, they've definitely dealt some uh, some revenge to the picket line, and I believe we had 6-0 when Rowlett played Wiley as well. Oh jeez! So our track record. We might want to repeat this real quick before we. Uh, <laughs> Does that make you cautious about your picket, Auburn? Nah, not at all. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah, let's talk about some of the uh, some of the games in your neck of the woods, Brian. Some uh, some of the fun out in Frisco ISD for the second round. Uh, as part of a, I guess this is the second half of the doubleheader at uh, at the Star on uh, on Friday, seven thirty p.m. kickoff between Frisco High and South Oak Cliff. Another team just that experiences this impressive turnaround this year. Um, yeah, how about those raccoons? How about those raccoons? I mean, I don't think a lot of people saw, you know, expected what they were going to do to Sulphur Springs in the first round. No, they, that was pretty emphatic. They destroyed them. Uh, you know, they did it. You know, with the run game, they forced turnovers. Their defense came up with huge uh, fourth down stops. I know I mentioned that a lot on the on the podcast Monday. 
And you know, there's not a lot of love for Frisco on the picket line this week. I, I see that. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm going with Frisco. Everyone else is going with, with Sock, with South Oak Cliff. And you know, what concerns me, I, I get it. South Oak Cliff coming in here undefeated, you know, yada, yada, yada. Look who they're playing. It's Dallas ISD. You know, they're playing Jefferson and, and Seagaville and Spruce. They play... They- Beat Red Oak thirty-one to twenty-one, and then they went into district. And in seven games, they gave up a total of fourteen points with five shutouts. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, a little bit of competition, not not exactly. A, yeah, uh, and then they had, they started the year off with Skyline. That was a weird ten to seven game. They haven't played anybody. I I don't think you know they're ready for Frisco's wing T offense. Uh, you can prepare for it, you can gear up for it, but it's it's hard to stop. And you know what? Haven't seen South Oak Cliff. Haven't seen a, a second of them play this year. But Frisco's going to win this game. That's my hot take. Of the week. I, I feel like I always have one on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know what? And your game may be over in two hours. With all the running. Yeah. Cleve, they, they average yeah. 9.4 yards a carry. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, they'll be going up against a more formidable defense. But they're a ground-based game. And mm-hmm. so th- that game is going to fly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Frisco maybe throws the ball four or five times a game. Yeah. If that. And, 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 and South Oak Cliff apparently, it, it looks like they throw just enough to keep a, mm-hmm. you know keep the defense honest. But, that, but you know, their bread and butter is on the ground. Yeah, but I get it. I get why everyone picks South Oak Cliff. They're undefeated. Uh, but, you know, that'll, that'll change this weekend. Yeah. yeah, as Brian alluded to, it was a 5-1 to one nod in favor of South Oak Cliff over Frisco. Uh, yeah, Brian on Lone Wolf Island. <laughs> so let's see, another another fun game of Frisco ISD. Uh, this one is all the way out in, uh, in Waco at McLean Stadium near Baylor. Lone Star against Lufkin. Uh, this one's Saturday at 2 p.m. kickoff. Uh, the Rangers just all sorts of invigorating after the uh, 41-6 pummeling yeah. of Mansfield Legacy in the first round. Lufkin's a little bit of a different animal, though. Yeah. Ranked top five in the state. Um, Brian, just talk a bit about this game and kind of what your pick was and just what this one boiled down to for you. Just like Frisco, I don't think many people expected what Lone Star was going to do to Legacy. I, you know, I'm... Everyone, myself included, thought that one was going to be back and forth down to the wire. You know, they look good. They're peaking right now offensively at the right time. Their defense has been there all year, but now offensively you're looking, you know, 35 points, 63 points, then 41 against Legacy. Those are their last three uh, offensive performances. And, you know, Julian Larry's coming in his own. They're getting Marvin Mims the ball more. Marvin Mims, four-star receiver there. He's got a ton of D1 offers. He was huge in, in that Legacy win. You know, Lufkin, they're good. Just how good they are. Their only loss this year is against Longview, and that was a really close. Uh, yeah, 35-28 in week one. And ever since then, they, they've just steamrolled everyone, you know. But just like Lone Star, they lost in the regional final of last year, albeit in 6A. Uh, Frisco Lone Star last year in 5A. So you know, both these teams, you know, trying to you know get over that hump and avenge that you know heartbreaking way they lost uh, in the playoffs last year and you know uh, Lufkin they had not Lufkin Legacy they had two defensive linemen that were committed to Arkansas and they'll face another one Uh, I have his name right here but they have another defensive lineman committed to Arkansas uh, as well I don't have his name right in front of me but you know so they're they're getting some facing some Arkansas defensive linemen you know their offense is is pretty explosive led by Quavante Smallwood with 785 rushing yards their quarterback Kawan Thomas has 25 total touchdowns on the year rushing uh, and throwing so dual threat guy that you really got to look out for but you know Julian Larry he does the same thing he you know he leads the uh, the team uh, with 26 touchdowns of his own. So, you know, we'll, we, we should be seeing a, a, a back-and-forth uh, battle here. You, Lone Star's defense, they made Legacy look, you know, look like a basic offense, which they are not. And so, you know, who knows? They, Lone Star may be able to, 
to to stifle what what Lufkin brings to the table a bit. Well, that's what I was going to ask you because I, w- I was impressed by the Lone Star result last week. Mm-hmm. I kind of looked at it. They've averaged forty six point eight points per game their last four, and their previous five before that fourteen point four. Yeah, now, granted they were playing some really tough teams, but has has the quarterback has he been the biggest difference? Is has that been his development? Has that made the biggest difference? A, a little bit because coming into the season he'd never played quarterback before. You know he was uh, he started at, so- at at cornerback last year as a sophomore. Started every game. He's you know star point guard on the basketball team, and then they asked him to. You know, yeah, hey, step in the shoes of MJ Rivers and, and Jason Shelley and, and be that quarterback. You know, he's very athletic. He's long. Uh, he, he's similar in, in stature, not as big, as broad as MJ Rivers. Yeah. But, you know, it was t- that's tough, you know, for a, a kid. He's only a junior, uh, but he's, he's really progressed, especially down this home stretch of the year. Darren Smith, uh, a running back, senior running back, um, he's missed chunks of the year early on and now he's really coming into his own uh he's you know been a a key playmaker for this team as a sophomore and junior and marvin mims he's missed a couple games missed some time here but then he's really come on he's no doubt about their best offensive player and if you get him the ball it's it's danger for for opposing teams right they were impressive last week i'm taking lufkin yeah (laughs) that being said this was a 6-0 sweep in favor of lufkin as the staff favors sorry lone star top five ranked uh yeah lufkin what is it panthers Yes, yeah. Lufkin Panthers to uh, to get to the third round. You know, I, I won't be all, all the way out there in Waco, so I don't have to deal with any Lone Star people. You know, giving me giving me smack for not picking <laughs> them. So I'll, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> stick with my Lufkin. You'll be back on them. campus at some point, though. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was there the other night. <laughs> um, so yeah, hey, uh, and that'll yeah, that's that is five games, five of the biggest games that we have going on in our coverage area for the second round of the high school football playoffs. Let's talk about our coverage plans quickly before we head out. Um, I'm gonna be at it as I mentioned earlier. I'll be at Williams Stadium on Friday covering Allen versus Rockwall. Uh, Brian, you've got a busy week. Yeah, doubleheader at the Star on Friday. Um, the Reedy Midlothian game is at 3, uh, and then Frisco South Oak Cliff at 7, and then Saturday night I'll be back at the Star for Prosper against Longview. Yikes, that's be another tough uh, tough matchup there. Devin, how about you? I'll be out at uh, Mesquite Memorial Stadium to see if Horn can keep their late season surge going as they uh, actually host Wiley, the rare hosting of a second yeah. round playoff game. And once our stories are, uh, once the games are concluded, I should say, um, first spot you can check out our game stories as well as video highlights, rapid reaction podcasts is at our website, starlocalmedia.com. And that will conclude this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Uh, we'll be back on Monday to recap the second round and all the fun times that are wait over these next few days. Uh, Folks, happy Thanksgiving to y'all. You guys enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to y'all later. Thanks for checking out this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast, brought to you by Performance Food Group. They deliver more than 150,000 food and related products to customers all across the country. Their McKinney office is currently hiring Class A CDL drivers, order selectors, and many other entry and part-time positions. For more information, you can visit their website at pfgc.com slash careers, or you can call 214-491-3130. That is Performance Food Group located in McKinney at 500 Metro Park Drive. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area.
But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.